1: Ah, welcome back to Herd Tell. Just had my sip of sweet tea. Now we're raring to go. Our congressional insider, he does all kinds of congressional reporting for The Independent. You've seen him on here many, many times. Has a great book called We Are Not Broken. Make sure you buy it if you have not already. Eric Garcia is back. How are you, sir?
2: Doing well. I'm going to be back.
1: You know, most reporters after the election, they get to take a little time off, not congressional reporters, because boy, Whoa. howdy, is it a busy week in Congress this week, ain't
2: Whoa. it? yeah. So it's important. To, it's important to recognize that right now. Um, so the House is having its leadership votes. Uh, this week's uh, but that which is kind of weird right now, because we still technically don't know who has the majority. We know. I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be the Republicans, but they so. So there's the, the the kind of vote that's going on right there. And then on the same time, uh, we got uh, we, there is the leadership vote for the Senate. And that one is probably the one that's more that, that that's going to be really interesting because there's there's a lot of knives out. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of people who are obviously trying to put the blame on Mitch McConnell. I don't really know how much I believe that. But then, of course, there's the House leadership vote for the Democrats because they're going to either be in like a very thin minority or a very small majority. So there there's there's a, there's, there's a lot going on. And then we still got a Georgia runoff.
1: Yeah, lots going on. Let's break those down for a second. Before we get into the politics, though, there's just some machinations to Congress. This is a machine that runs a certain way. So right now what's happening is you have the new uh, elected folks coming in. I know uh, J.D. Vance tweeted that he was in for his orientation this week, I believe, so he could take part in these meetings. You have the new people coming in. You got the old people going out. You got staff changing hands. There's a lot of just physical activity involved. In a post-election season like this, for folks that don't see that, who aren't in the office buildings, who aren't in the tunnels, it's unmitigated chaos from now to the first it year, is. isn't it?
2: It is. It is totally like I was. I was um, hanging out outside of the. Like, there's this basement area in the Capitol Visitor Center <clears throat> where Republicans were having their leadership uh, discussions, and like some staffers were talking to others about like, yeah, we're going in the middle because they. 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 You also change offices every. Uh, every cycle uh i mean uh and depending on and some people who get seniority they move to different they move to different buildings and then all the freshmen they got they they have their lottery draw so there's that on top of that uh new members have orientation right now uh this week and then the week after thanksgiving and then on top of that there is there's the leadership votes for both parties for the minority and the majority uh so right now right and then on top of that you got uh who's gonna run Who's going to run the campaign arms? So it is there is just an onslaught of uh, an avalanche of uh, of activity, even during this supposed lull, you know,
1: during Congress. Because the truth is, and you report on Congress, you cover there is no laws in Congress. There's no No. laws at all.
2: No, no, no. the, The only lulls happen when everybody's tired and wants to go home.
1: Well, the country's tired of them wanting to go home, but that's another matter for another day. Uh, let's start with some of the machinations here. Let's talk about the one that's not going to get settled this week first, because that's probably going to be the more pressing one. Uh, let's say the Republicans, it, I, NBC's projecting it to be a three-seat majority, although it's not yeah. settled yet. But let, let's just, let's work off that number, three to five seats, somewhere in there. That's probably yeah. safe. Kevin McCarthy, this is not going to be done this week. He's got time on this election, although they're going to do the inter-party election leadership thing. This is going to go for a while because he's in a position where he's he's got the brass ring in his grip, but he can't tear it down yet. He's going to be in a mood to give a lot of concessions to a lot of people. They're going to be really slow to finalize this, to get all those concessions. This process is probably going to take probably the better part of four or five weeks, right?
2: This is going to take the better part of four or five weeks. This is going to, this is going to go – until January 3rd, which is when the new members get sworn in and when the new and when the new speaker gets sworn in. Uh, he is going to have to give a ton of concessions to your Marjorie Taylor Greens, your Matt Gates', um, your Lauren Bober's. It looks like Lauren Bober's gonna win re-election. Uh, it, it, it is going to take a lot of work. It is going to take uh, Him basically saying people get to go back on committees. He going to be it's going to be giving people you know prime jobs. Uh, He is going to have to keep a lot of people happy to hold this fragile coalition together. And the question a lot of people have always wondered about McCarthy is whether he is up to the task. That has always been the kind of immortal question for him. Is like can he actually uh, wrangle? these people so um so 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 that's so that's so that's what that that's what i'm wondering because like unlike paul ryan who you know gave a lot to them and john Boehner who knew how to put the fear of god into them he's not necessarily the guy you wanted the wall so to speak so that uh and, and he's not he doesn't have the political skill of someone like pelosi
1: yeah here's the thing with mccarthy He's getting the job he's always wanted, and he's getting it at probably the worst possible time to get it with absolutely almost no support. We already know that he's going to be very beholden to certain folks. Underneath all this, you have a GOP that's gearing itself up for a who are we kind of fight for the next year or two going into a presidential cycle. Yes. Yes. You already have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who came out and supported him now. because. And I first thing I tweeted about that is like, no, she's not adjusting. She's warming her way in. That's what that one is. Yeah, exactly. I see no way he holds this caucus together, especially when you don't have... See, the, you speak on this because you can explain it better than I can. The reason you need a 15 to 20 seat majority is because you need to give your marginal members shade on votes and let them vote against you every now and then. And you release them to vote on things. That's how you get stuff done. Yes. that's not gonna happen vis-a-vis you ain't gonna get a lot of stuff done.
2: Yes, so this is what this is what Brendan Buck, who was uh, Paul Ryan and Boehner's guy told me is that you know this is gonna be a virtually impossible job. but you need like you said, you need that cushion of like 15 to 20. The reason why is because there's always some members who are in tough races and you basically release them to say, look, I understand you're in a tough race. Do what you need to do so that you can create some some shade between the two of us. Um and, and you know, I'll let you, you know, we won't withhold money from you, we won't, you know, stop anything from you, we'll just let we'll 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 let that fly. That is gonna be very difficult because if Marjorie Taylor Green or Matt Gates, for example, don't want him to give an inch on the debt limit, um, which is something that very easily could happen uh then mccarthy is going to need to go hat in hand to the democrats and he's going to need to say okay i need your help and then that's gonna then whether it's nancy pelosi or hakeem jeffries or whoever is leading that ca- uh, that caucus is going to say okay then well you're not going to i don't know uh withhold money uh withhold money for this for the dc government or, or, or just some kind of hypothetical, or you're not going to cut off funding for Planned Parenthood or, or or anything like that. So they are going to have a lot more. Le- so this gives Democrats a lot more leverage, and it gives McCarthy uh, a real almost kind of gun to his head.
1: Yeah. Let's talk for a second about who's going to be on that other wall. Nancy Pelosi, of course, said she wasn't going to run again. That was kind of the deal to keep. I don't see any way she doesn't because they're going to really need – I, it sounds weird to say that this. this is where they really, really need her because they could get a lot done with this slim majority. McCarthy's going to be getting it from all angles. She absolutely loves to live to make the Republican leadership's lives miserable. Yes. There's no way she's not in charge of the minority here for the next two years, is there?
2: A lot of people don't realize this about Nancy Pelosi, and a lot of people criticize her, but her primary skill is keeping, and her main chit that she has is keeping. The caucus unified i don't know anybody Steny, god bless his heart um you know how came is to agree abrasive to progressives um Clyburn is a whip but he's not necessarily the the enforcer uh i can't think of anybody who could get henry cuellar and Alexandria ocasio-cortez to vote as a block and that is what pelosi does she's made a very you know for all the things that people criticize her for she makes sure that the conference that the caucus votes as a block and i don't think you can get another um democrat who could uh who could who, who could do that it especially and, and that's going to be especially needed when it comes to things like keeping the government open or uh, or, or a, a, a vo- avoiding a debt ceiling Disaster,
1: yeah. Let's switch over to the Senate for just a second because the House is going to be a mess and we're going to be talking about it for the better part of the next two years. <laughs> let's start with our Republican friends. Boy, the Twitter was just ablaze about whose fault this election was, yeah. and a lot of the MAGA people wanted to go to Mitch McConnell. A little more complicated than that,
2: it is a lot more complicated than that. So, let's just <clears throat> let's just be let's talk about this let's talk about mitch mcconnell it's important to remember that before trump a lot of conservatives didn't really like mitch mcconnell they thought that he was too conciliatory toward democrats they thought that he didn't win enough elections they thought it wasn't until he blocked merrick garland that you get the kind of image of mcconnell as the ruthless tactician um this is very much a reversion to the mean but For better or for worse, you know, a lot of conservatives and MAGA people are mad at him for not bankrolling Blake Masters. That's only partially true. He did raise money for Masters, but he just didn't use his Senate leadership fund to bankroll Masters because they looked at the focus groups and Blake Masters was just so repellent to so many um, swing voters and so many other voters uh, that thought he was too extreme. I mean, mind you, Arizona is the state that elected Barry Goldwater. So, so 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 there's that on top but that is really not fair to to blame mcconnell because he did his job jd vance would not be a senator without mitch mcconnell spending something like 30 million dollars in ohio during the summer or during the fall uh and he and you know that race would not the north carolina race would not have been out of reach for democrats had he not just poured a bunch of money in ron johnson's now calling for a delay ron johnson in wisconsin's calling for a delay in leadership votes. that is a bunch of horse hockey because uh mcconnell's spun spending uh in wisconsin probably made the difference in that one point seat that one point race so, in wisconsin so there's a lot of desire to blame mcconnell but the, the truth of the matter is is <clears throat> there are, is that a trump just endorsed a lot of bad candidates uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, JD Vance in um, in Ohio required a lot more money that could have gone elsewhere. Um, <clears throat> Blake Masters in Arizona, uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia, just a lot of candidates that required more spending than than, than should have been needed. And on top of that, uh, the other thing is just uh, just like in the House, the Dobbs effect was real.
1: Eric Garcia joining us, our congressional friend. McConnell's got another problem besides Trump and the MAGA wing, though. Um, yes. This is not my opinion. This is sourced because I look. I'm not a journalist, but I do journalists of Jay stuff. So I talk to people. I don't just sit here and spout things off. This is sourced. Yeah. He's got a Rick Scott problem. Rick he Scott does. is grumpy. Rick Scott's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of ambition. And nobody likes him, and he's got no future prospects. This has mixed because remember the summer thing we had back in the spring, he launched his plan. Everybody mocked it, including one of the few things that everybody agreed on from Biden to McConnell to whoever is like, no, Rick, shut up and go away. This isn't helping. Yes. Uh, We had the yacht incident, which came out of McConnell's office. Let's all be adults. Yes. He's mad, he's grumpy. And, you know, people are saying like, man, it wasn't five minutes after this election. He started calling folks that letter about delaying the leadership election that yes. had three names on it. But that was a Rick Scott production. Let's all be honest. Yes. What's he going to do with Rick Scott now? McConnell's got the votes to keep his minority leadership. Yes, that's not in question. But he's this isn't getting worked out anytime soon. This is a problem. This is going to be a huge problem for Rich McConnell. So let's so again,
2: let's be adults. Uh, this race, so so the leadership races, all of them, and on the Republican side at least, are uncontested. So he's going to get the leadership position. The um, the 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 three senators, I think it was Lee. Johnson and Scott or, or, or someone. And then Rubio, uh, I mean, they, they called for a delay in leadership and then Rubio kind of called for a delay in leadership votes as well um, even though him and Rubio don't necessarily get along. Uh, Scott and Rubio don't get along, I should say. <clears throat> but this is going to be a continuous problem because Rick Scott doesn't... I'm trying to think of the word. Mitch McConnell doesn't own Rick Scott. Let me put it that like, there. Um, <clears throat> other senators are beholden to McConnell because he provides them money. Rick Scott can just write a $150 million check and, you know, self-fund his campaign and he's okay. That is something that McConnell's going to have to deal with because Rick Scott can run an ad campaign and bash McConnell, or he can go to Fox news or he can go to Brett Baer and he can, um, you know, kvetch about his, uh, uh, about his his woes with McConnell but it's in McConnell really can't do anything about it and that's the real tough thing and, and also the other, the other difficult thing is that McConnell's losing a lot of his foot soldiers this, after this congress he's losing Rob Portman he's losing Roy Blunt he's losing Richard Burr uh there aren't going to be a lot of those uh grunts who are usually the bulwark against people like Rick Scott
1: Yeah. And the other part of that is too. Eric Garcia joining us. Those are the grunts that did a lot of legislating and stayed off of TV and Twitter. Yes. Which is the opposite of what Rick Scott does, which is he's all over TV and social media and wanting to run for higher office and doesn't actually do a whole lot of legislating. That's the problem, because when this Congress comes back. Yes. There, there was stuff that got pushed to this lame duck on purpose. And yes. now there's a lot of questions if this lame duck session is going to get anything done. By the way, on top of the rest of this, you've got this potential freight railroad strike that usually con- yes. Congress can order arbitration to this labor issue that's getting ready to pop off right before Christmas due to union laws. I don't know if there, this lame duck's going to get anything done now. And that's a big reason. Look, Burr's leaving. So as he checked out, people like this, that's a big problem.
2: Yeah, a lot of people are, like, on their, uh, le- like, are, a-, a lot of senators who are retiring who are kind of like uh, seniors in the last month before high school ends. <clears throat> you know, so Schumer just ticked off, uh, just teed up uh, a vote on same-sex, codifying same-sex marriage for Wednesday. Um so that's, so that's, so that's going to happen. Uh, but then on top of that, you've got the, you've got the potential railroad strike. Uh, A lot of the unions, uh, pushed back on, uh, Biden and Secretary Walsh's arbitration, uh, I mean, uh, deal with, with business and rails. So, so that, so that's going to be a real, that's going to be a tough bid. Uh, bid on top of that, you've got a question of whether or not you're going to have a debt ceiling raise this, um, this kind of interim period because they, because there's really not a guarantee you can raise the debt limit in uh in a Republican house anymore. So there is going to be a lot of difficult questions and a lot, there's a lot of people are going to be cramming right before, uh, right before the end of the year.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Eric Garcia joining us. Uh, let's talk about the democratic side of the Senate right now. You know, 49 plus one, 50 plus one. Here's the reason why it's a big difference if it's 50-50 with a tie break and 51-49, depending on the Georgia runoff. And we'll talk about the Georgia runoff in just a second. 50-50, they have to split the committee assignments. 51-49, they don't split the committee assignments, which means they're going to have the subpoena powers. This is one of those little technicality things that a lot of people don't think about. You cover Congress though. Talk about what a big difference it is between a 50 50 Senate and a 51 49 Senate.
2: That is a big deal because, so for example, the perfect example of this is the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, in the uh, earlier this year, when the committee voted on Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation, it was a deadlock and Schumer had to do a special procedure on the floor to, to, to get to bring Jackson's vote to the floor, uh, the vote from Jackson to the floor. Um, on top of that, as you said, being uh, being in the majority in the Senate, you get all the subpoena power. Uh, so that includes for the Senate Intel Committee, where that is incredibly important. The Senate Judiciary Committee, that is incredibly important. You get more staff, you get better offices, you get more, uh, you, you you basically get more allocation uh, for the majority. And to say nothing of the more member of more members. On your committee so that you can break ties. That is incredibly important. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, 50-50, you know, Democrats still have the power because Kamala Harris breaks the tie. No, they still don't, they they, they have to do these kind of very tenuous power sharing agreements. And a lot of people don't recognize <clears throat> as much as Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer may fight for the TV screens, they still have to come to an agreement of okay. This is how it's going to do. This is how it's going to work. This is how we're going to share power. This is how it's going to go. And then they have to, you know, plan accordingly. That is not good. You know, if Democrats get, if if Raphael Warnock wins, that is going to make all the difference for them on committees and confirmations and everything else they want to do.
1: Yeah, of course, Raphael Warnock is the incumbent out of Georgia because of the last Georgia runoff, which we all know how that happened. (sighs) What's the sense in Congress with this? Because I think, and of course, the Trump announcement is going to deal with this a little bit. I think the runoff actually hurts Walker. I know Kim's going to campaign hard for him, but Kemp's not on the ballot to raise him. He underperformed Kemp anyway. Trump's uh, the issue now is the Trump inter-GOP fight that's going on. I think the runoff is actually going to hurt Walker now where I didn't think that a couple of weeks ago. What are your thoughts? But what is Congress thinking? so it was interesting
2: we were talking with uh, i was talking with senator gary peters who's chairman of the dscc that's his job is to uh, you know elect democrats um uh, he was like when i asked him about trump running he's like he basically was like you know right now it's just about georgia he's like he basically deflected de- the democrats are laser focused on this they are you know focused on you know Ignore all the noise. We are giving all of our resources to Warnock. And, and it, should, it should also be said, Warnock himself is a money printer. Uh, it, it, you know, him and Mark Kelly are probably the two best fundraisers that Democrats have. Um, John Ossoff is throwing his entire political operation behind it. Everybody in the in, in the Democratic conference is now just like, okay, our job is to salvage Raphael Warnock. Whereas, and I, but I think that, uh, and Mitt Romney said this last night. He's like, you know, we've lost three races because of trump uh and now like you know this you basically said yeah this could affect us uh in 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 georgia and then you know senator john neely kennedy who likes to pretend he's foghorn leghorn even though he's an oxford educated guy uh you you know um you know he's like i'm focusing on i'm not focused on 2024 i'm focused on 2022. everything right now republicans and democrats are focused on this i think as of right now the momentum is with the democrats just because they want pennsylvania they want nevada arizona new hampshire uh but and then as you said i agree with you about the kemp thing because Kemp will campaign for walker but he can't carry his supporters aren't going to carry walker over the finish line conversely Stacey abrams won't be as much of a drag on Raphael Warnock as Kemp was a boon to uh, Walker.
1: Funny how things switch around. You know, last campaign, we thought it was the other way around. Eric Garcia. Okay. Here's the thing is the media narratives. One thing I took from this election I've been talking about is like, look, national narratives, you got to be real careful, slamming them into congressional and Senate races and statewide races, right? Congress, one of the reasons I talk to you and other people that actually work in Congress is because the people in Congress, you usually cut through some of that noise because they know what's really going on. Besides the leadership elections that. What are they talking about? Are they talking about 2024? Are they talking about the state of the Congress? Are they talking about the spectrum of whether Trump's running and what that means? What is it that the Congress people and senators, what are they talking about right now this week, now that the election's done?
2: They're talking about two things and two things alone, the Georgia runoffs and the debt limit. Those are kind of the two, things. Those, at least on the Senate side. I think that there is this expectation of, okay, we know that it's not going to be likely that um you get a debt limit increase under a republican congress because mccarthy just wouldn't have the votes and he does i don't think he wants to go to the democrats to, to to save his hide um and prevent a default so right now that is the primary focus on top of that the primary focus is just everybody is everybody on the senate is just like we just got to wait it out we just got to go to we just got to go to georgia And then, you know, it's it's funny because they still have this vote on same sex marriage on Wednesday, but it's almost like that's a foregone conclusion. Um, I was talking with a few with a few aides. They think like, yeah, we got the we got the 60 votes we need to do for this. So right now, the main thing, the main thing everybody's focused on is... is getting past is getting this debt limit stuff, getting all the stuff that they kind of pushed off until the election done, like getting their homework done before they all on, before they uh, they finish for the year. So that is the that is the main main challenge right now is just let's avoid a potential economic disaster in twenty twenty three.
1: Is the debt limit going to turn into a fight this time, or are they just going to push it off on the new Congress since they know, or is it because they know deadlock is coming? somebody's going to dig their heels in here because McCarthy's got a lot out there about how he doesn't want to do this going forward. Is that going to affect this one?
2: Yeah. So right now I think that there's this feeling. So Manchin just said yesterday, Senator Joe Manchin said that, um, you know, he thinks the debt limit deal should be bipartisan. Other people are talking about doing it through reconciliation because that would just allow for 51 votes, uh, and some people question whether Democrat, whether Repub- there would be 10 Republicans who would go along with that. So there is a lot of contention about. There's this feeling that we need to do this now because McCarthy has said, as he said, "I don't want to do this in the future."
1: Speaking of which, since you just mentioned them, a lot of Democrats like, oh, we got a majority now. We don't have to listen to Manchin and Cinema anymore. Uh, No, folks, that's not how politics works, especially since you basically I'm talking to our team blue friends here. You've basically announced that you're going to be gunning for Cinema and her seat in a few years. You kind of shouldn't telegraph stuff like that, because guess what you just did? You made her way more important now. Yeah. Just walk through that because, yes, Markowski, Manchin, Collins. Cinema. the usual suspects are still going to be just as important with a one-seat majority or a tied Senate.
2: Absolutely. They're, in, in fact, they're all going to... Steve Dennis at Bloomberg pointed this out at, because this morning uh, Alex Mooney, uh, Representative Alex Mooney from West Virginia, announced he's running against Manchin. Uh, Manchin's going to need to take some votes against nominees just to salvage his own hide. Um... That makes cinema all the more crucial. She's going to be the swing vote now. And that, you know, a lot of Team Blue doesn't recognize. Manchin, at the end of the day, he wants to get to yes on most things. Cinema, it's never clear if she wants to get to yes or no. That was the big challenge during the uh, IRA vote. Uh, unless cinema is sponsoring something herself it's not entirely clear that she wants to get to yes on a democratic sponsored piece of legislation so she could very easily become the block swing voter this is also why uh democrats probably are regretting uh not spending in north carolina and not spending uh enough in uh wisconsin to push back on uh, the crime stuff with Mandela Barnes, uh, they, uh, because now they have to rely on cinema much more than they have to rely on mansion. So this is good, so this is good, so so this is they're they're not out of the woods yet.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, just because this is my neck of the woods, uh, Mooney's got two challenges in the ethics committee looking at him yes, in the face. But that's that's also why he announced right now because Morrissey Jim Justice has joked about me. I don't think he really will. Uh, he's not going to be the only person going after that sentencing. He's just trying to be first and get his name out there and uh, right. distract from this other stuff that's going to be going on the next few weeks with him. So just for what it's worth, uh, just put yeah. that in the back of your pocket. The context is
2: important. Alex Mooney is a very – he's under a lot of uh, investigations for unscrupulous activity.
1: Um, and a, a red painted fireplug is going to win a congressional seat in West Virginia right now. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not the concern. This, this is a Mooney looking for Mooney kind of move right here. Yes, exactly. Uh, Eric Garcia, this stuff's always great. I'll leave you with one more good little tidbit though. Um, once we get through here and we get through the the lame duck, we get through all this stuff, we get the new Congress seated in January What's the first order of business really going to be? McCarthy's promising everybody the moon. They're going to have to settle on something. We've got some economic stuff. We already talked about that rail strike could be a big deal right around Christmas. Yeah. What's the first thing they actually go after here?
2: Uh, that is a c- tough question because they're probably going to need to do a seat. C- they're probably going to need to start working on the omnibus. Even though, you know, because that's going to take a month, which line. they
1: swear up and down McCarthy, swearing up and down. They are not going to do because the conservatives, that's one of their conditions for letting him be speaker. And yet they you're saying that's the first thing they're going to do. You see where the problem comes in right off the jump here.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's going to be the tough thing is the omnibus spending. They need it. That's a must pass of legislation. The conservatives are saying, heck, no. Um, and probably some, some more four letter words. Um. And that is and, and that alone is gonna be difficult. On top of that, McCarthy's saying he wants to get rid of the magnetometers and proxy voting. The problem with that is that a lot of his own voters, uh his own members use proxy voting. So that's so good luck with that, buddy. Um but then on top of that, they also need to take into account that when are they gonna when, you know, they're not gonna be able to pass the budget. So they're probably gonna have to settle for a CR. Uh so that so the first order of business, that's gonna be the first order of business is gonna be deciding what the first order of business is gonna be.
1: Lots of interesting days, which means I get to have you on the program a whole whole lot, my friend, going forward. I look forward to that. let folks know where they can keep over the air Garcia, our congressional reporter. He works for the independent. Great book out. We'll talk about that. Usually we bring it up. We'll, we'll talk about it some other time. Let folks know where they can go, where they can follow you, and where they can get your book, my friend.
2: You can find uh, you can buy my book, We're not broken, change the autism conversation wherever fine books are sold. You can uh see uh, you uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Eric M. Garcia. Follow my work at The Independent, my column at MSNBC, uh, and I will see you on the road.
1: Yeah, brother, we're going to be doing this a lot because this is going to be one of the most interesting congressional terms I think we've ever seen. Don't think there's any doubt about that one. My Not friend, love talking to you. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it again. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Do, 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 do. So contradictory to the what you painted out as Mike Pence, not to be hard. I mean, there's no other logical explanation here. This was a calculated decision on the part of Mike Pence. He did a pros and cons, and he decided this is the wagon I'm going to. Now we understand politically he was kind of dead ended in Indiana for a couple different reasons. He made this decision to hitch up with Trump, and everything from that moment till now is dealing with that decision. No, right?
0: Yes, yes. You know what's fascinating about that is um and i write extensively about that there's a two-week stretch in july 2016 where things kind of come together um you know, the, the trump campaign plane pops a flat in, in indiana and he gets stuck there and it's kind of forces him into this into you know sign, signing up as, um and you know that's been out i put that a lot of that out there uh, already but i will tell you that when in this decision making, you know, the, the kind of the calculus for Mike and Karen Pence remember too that they they do work as a as a, as a joint operation. So it's really the two of them. Um is that it's the same calculation everyone else is making, the same calculation that Mitch McConnell makes. you kind know, not Kevin McCarthy, I'm sorry, Paul Bryan, but I you do know, for other Republican leaders, which is Donald Trump won't be a problem in four months because he'll lose, because, my God, how could this guy win the presidency? Like, everybody's operating under that assumption. And one of our tells on this is that, that we know about this in particular is because Pence's, Pence's aides are going out there and telling Republican donors, lining them up for a presidential run in 2020, saying, hey, hop on board now, get at the table early, and, you know, you'll be there with the possible frontrunner, because Pence will have done run on a national ticket with Trump at that point. Theoretically, will not have been too politically damaged. Um, and you know, there does come, a, you know, one key moment of truth. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny to think how, how quaint this sounds, given all that we know now. But you know, think back to October of 2016, for the Access Hollywood tape where Trump, you know, talks about brags about molesting women and popping tic tacs so he can molest women. And it's and Pence has a decision to make. Whether they hop off, that's probably where he should have gotten off, you know, the train. But he didn't, and they both decided to stay on there. Um, and it was it was a political calculation, you know. It's and they, obviously they prayed with it too, but it's impossible to avoid the politics of that, and it led you know, led them right to here.
1: Now we have another political calculation. We get to January 6th. We have the riot, the insurrection that was inside of the riot. We, let's not parse all that out today. We have whatever happened with Mike Pence in the building that we're still arguing about. You know, the, did, I'm not getting in the car, all that kind of mess. But mm-hmm. let's just stick to the political calculation part because we know this is fact because it's on camera and we watched him do it. He hung with Trump through everything else up until the point of certifying the election, and that's when he picked his moment to break. So everything between there and there, he was okay with. From the outside observer, and you tell me because you know more about him than I did, that was I rode this to the absolute last possible moment I could, and then I stepped off. That's how it looks to me as the biographer, as the guy who knows him better than probably anybody else in the media. Is that how it came across to you?
0: You know, on January 6th, when he wrote that letter, and I remember, you know, I was writing a story, I was in the middle of writing a story about that letter, because it sounded like the guy that had been subsumed by Donald Trump, it sounded like the real Mike Pence, the guy that used to study Russell Kirk.
2: It sounded like who he
0: is inside. And I was astounded by this. I was like, "Wow, where was this guy for the last four years?" You know, right or wrong, it was, it, it's a reflection of character. You know, his character. Um, and then I, you know, I have C span C span on in the background, and I see uh, Niels Lesnevsky from uh, his, his roll call, CQ roll call, and um, he's like, "Well, we're sheltering in place right now, and I can't really tell you where that is because it's a secure location." And I'm kind of like the hell, Neil's Like, we are you talking about, man? Like, and then, like, I flip around a little bit more. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this real? Like, is any of this real? It's like right after 1 o'clock on January sixth, And I'm like, oh, God. Like, and I thought as this all unfolded and as we saw him act from that day, I thought, wow, maybe Mike Pence is finally being himself. And then three months later, he's back on the campaign trail. More or less running for president in 2024, hasn't stated it, not talking about January 6th, calculating again. And I am vexed by this. I really am. Uh, I'm still vexed by this because, you know, again this week, you know, sometimes we see him have like little flashes of courage where he'll say, you know, Trump was wrong on January 6th. Uh, you know, and that gets everybody, a, you know, a Twitter about it. And we all read stories about it. But then he goes back to talking about how, you know, great everything was when they were working together. And boy, wasn't January 6th just a, quote, tragic day. And it's a lack of, um, it doesn't, like, it a tragic day doesn't, I mean, would you call Pearl Harbor a tragic day? you know, like, it just doesn't, like, it doesn't ring correct. Um, and I see him struggling with it. Um, but again, the flip side of this, which I, I, I always come back to is knowing the political audience and what he's trying to do, which is running for president, what it looks like. He's not declared. He's not, you know, he, he hasn't said out right, he's doing the actions. I mean, you don't, you don't hang out in New Hampshire, Iowa, South Carolina, you know, Nevada unless you got new plans, okay? And in some sense, and this will what this is what the Trump people will tell you, it's almost like a revenge tour. You know, Trump gets all tries to get him killed or almost gets him killed on January sixth because he's, you know, staging this coup. You know, this is how you do it. It's, it's similar to the, the Mitch McConnell calculation. You know, you don't beat Trump. And I, I do think this is correct in the politics of the moment. If you are on the Republican side, where the vast majority of Republican voters do believe that January 6th was either not a coup or not an insurrection or, you know, a smaller subset believes it's a false flag operation or, you know, whatever. Not, there's no evidence of any of that. Um, How do you address that? You know, if you're running for those votes, how do you do that? I always have to bring myself back to that, you know, because, like. In this moment in politics, we just don't have clarity in that world, in that side of things, you know? It's not, I'm sure there's a Democrat corollary, but I'm still watching this right now. I'm having a hard time finding it. <laughs>
1: I think I might have been wrong about Pence in this respect, because we always talk about presidential candidates. You got to have a constituency. Doesn't matter your popularity. What's your constituency? Joe Biden shocked everybody because he had the constituency and they showed up. And all of a sudden that race was over in two weeks. I always said Mike Pence doesn't have a constituency. But as we've talked through this, the biggest constituency that made Donald Trump president, was the same ones that we're dealing with with January 6th, was the same ones that Mike Pence is thinking about now. It's those evangelical Christians and Republicans and conservatives, and I'm going to use that term broadly, we'll argue it some other day. It is what it is. That group of people, that outsiders who are not them, the news media, the center, the left, the progressives, they can never figure them out and go, how can you believe this, X, Y, and Z, evangelical Christianity, and still support, why, Donald Trump? doesn't pence have a consistent that i think that's who he's shooting for i think that's who he sees himself as is oh i did it but i didn't compromise myself this is his inner interlog- monologue not mine he's saying this is how we did it we accomplished some things there were some bad things i broke with him when it went too far because let's be honest whoever's the next leader of the republican party is is going to be the guy who takes out trump because you got to do that to get that job that's how that's going to go he is yep. clearly purposefully pointing out, we see it in Arizona, we saw it in Georgia, we're seeing it in other places. He is starting that process now. This is another political calculation. So my question to you is, this is unfair, but it's your job because you wrote the book, (laughs) is which Mike Pence is this? Is this the calculated one? Is this the real Mike Pence? Or is Mike Pence, to use an old wrestling term, has he believed the gimmick because he's been running for president for six years and this (laughs) is who Mike Pence is now? Does he believe the gimmick? Because I think God. Yeah. I think the cultural Christianity Mike Pence gimmick is just who he is after six years of being it. Oh
0: I to play a man, I might play a great okay, so you're ready. Right. I did dissect this in the book. And um and it's um okay, so I had this question too. You know, why is Pence who, you know, goes to Greenwood Community Church in Indianapolis and you know, ninety sixth street community church? You know, I I attended service at 96th Street Church and I did not hear people, you know, know, spewing, you know, brimstone and fire and talking about how we, you know, got a drawn quarter gaze because that's an affront to God or whatever. I didn't I did not hear that in the service and I did not hear that from the people that I know that attend service there. You know, it's not that's not that type of church and everything I could find is that that's not that Mike Pence's type of practice. You know, I talk a lot about in the book about premillennial dispensationalism, because that is a thing that feeds into this concept of Trump as a savior character. You know, even two Henson's people would even talk about him in a sense. You know, when Craig Jacob in January 6th hearing said that he's, he turns to Daniel six. He brings, you know, re- reads that. I'm getting tingles right now thinking about it. I get chills, man. It's really I do every time this, this comes up in the hearings, man. I just get chills. Um, that's Daniel and the Lion. And look at and this, and look who the protagonist is. Pence is a Daniel character to his people. This is how they talk about him. He's is a Daniel. He is the he is the slave who is faithful servant to the tyrant and to God again the dutifulness yeah i know man right i dude i get chills just thinking about it because there is a depth to the character but there's also and, you know there's also a depth to the bs too that's also part of it you know trump is such a you know such a surface level character that it's easy to forget that there's layers to other humans <laughs> you know like trump is a pretty transparent person a lot of other
1: people are not. You know? See, that's where I draw the line between Trump and Pence. And maybe this is unfair, but this is just me being, you know, a political observer and an analysis and a writer and a host of media. Mm-hmm. Trump is what he is. He's, he's true to who he is, although I disagree with lots of it. I think that's bad. I think it's been bad for the country. He is who he is. He, mm-hmm. That's his natural state. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way where the Mike Pence stuff isn't far more calculated. And yeah. I'm just going off action. There's just no other way to call it. Trump's just doing it the way he thinks he ought to do it. It's it's just who he is. <laughs> Pence is navigating around this. And the problem yes. with navigating around it is you have to be calculated. And the more calculated he is, the more apparent he is that the all shucks, God loves me, me and Ma just trying to get through life here. Yeah. That That last tweet about Trump, that was stone cold. Like he he is more calculated by the day and by the tweet. This is just me observing it as mostly unbiased because I didn't vote for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's getting more and more calculated because this is learned experience for him over the last few years.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's Yes, a couple of things on that. He is calculating. And it's, it, it, the, the, this whatever pre-campaign for president in 2024 that we're watching right now, and most people do expect him to run for president, um, is calculated, he's picking in these shots, you know, he did, you know, J- Brian Kemp showdown in Georgia, and he won that one, you know, he won that proxy battle, got another one coming up in Wisconsin. He is incredibly calculated there. Um, and it does make me wonder, you know, I still wonder about, you know, who is the core of this guy. There are certain things that, you know, very much, you know, very obvious about the core of him. Pro-life, anti-abortion, One hundred percent. And there's a good and there's a good barometer for that, which is you look at the rest of the hypothetical to the perspective 2024 field and they're running away from it. Donald Trump, who, you know, should get the political credit for this, for putting three justices on there, you know, or arguably McConnell should, you know, but he's running from it. He's saying we shouldn't be talking about this. Cotton, Pompeo, Haley, all the rest of them. You know then kind of running away from this hence he's running into it he's running on it he's holding down holding that down that might just be a life raft but he's doing it so and i do think that is part of his core he has been consistent on that but the other stuff i don't know you know i still i still struggle with this after 11 years of following this guy like i don't i don't always know who he is <laughs>
1: And that'll do it for Herd Tell. As always, love to hear from you. Uh Tell Show at gmail.com. dot com. send us an email, Herd Tell Show on the Twitter. You can DM us and follow us there. Also, my Twitter handle, four for the fire, and those of our guests is always in the lower third graphics. If you're watching on the YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast, there'll be links for you to follow both the writing of the folks we have on and us and our social media. This only works because you listen and we so greatly appreciate you. So wherever you are. Across the street or around the world, we hope you and yours are well. We hope you are well fed. We can't wait to see you again for more Hertel. All the music on Hertel is provided under a creative content license from MonsterCat.com.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app.